2023 was a crazy year. We saw the collapse of numerous large banks, including three of the four largest bank crashes in US history. The website American Banker published an article titled Dramatic Collapses Made 2023 the Biggest Year Ever for Bank Failures. The New York Times published an incredible graph that shows that the three banks that collapsed in the US in 2023, First Republic Bank, at $213 billion in assets, Silicon Valley Bank in $209 billion in assets, and Signature Bank with $110 billion in assets. Together, they were bigger than the 25 banks that collapsed in the great financial crisis of 2008. So this was a truly historic year for bank crises. And one of the significant reasons for that is because the Federal Reserve raised interest rates so rapidly, and that meant that many of these banks that had assumed that interest rates were gonna stay low basically forever because they were so low for 15 years, many of these banks had invested so much in low-yielding U.S. Treasury securities, U.S. bonds, and as interest rates skyrocketed, those bonds collapsed in value, and many U.S. banks became insolvent. Another very important issue in 2023 was inflation. Inflation also was a big issue in 2022, but in 2023, the US Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, took an extraordinary measure and it increased interest rates at the fastest pace since the famous Volcker shock of the early 1980s. And this came after 15 years of very low, almost zero, interest rates, and this had severe economic consequences, not only in the US, but around the world. But first, I wanna look at the narrative from the Federal Reserve and its chairman, Jerome Powell. Powell initially claimed that the inflation rise in the US was because wages were too high, and he said clearly in a press conference that the goal of raising interest rates was to, quote, get wages down. So this was, an, this was an attack on labor in the U.S. However, 2023 was quite of a historic year when you look at economic narratives because in 2023, some economists, some heterodox economists were able to break through into the mainstream, acknowledging with numerous studies showing that one of the primary drivers of inflation was not high wages by workers, but rather increasing profits of corporations. This was famously referred to as greedflation, and mainstream media outlets acknowledged, citing some of these economic studies, that corporate profiteering significantly boosted global prices. And this was even acknowledged by bastions of right-wing neoliberal economics, like the IMF, which published a report by IMF economists in 2023, admitting that in Europe, rising corporate profits caused 45% of the inflation in Europe. 40% of the inflation was caused by rising import prices because of you know the war in Ukraine and energy prices and because of supply chain issues because of the pandemic. And the IMF acknowledged that only 15% of the inflation came from increasing workers' wages. This was a huge blow to the neoliberal economics narrative that inflation as Milton Friedman famously said, is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And specifically, it was a blow to the neoliberal economists 
who were trying to blame the inflation on demand pull inflation, trying to blame workers and claiming that the solution to inflation is clobbering workers and reducing their their purchasing power in order to, to, to suppress demand to bring down an overheated economy, as they put it. I did an interview with the economist Michael Hudson, and he argued that in some ways, the banking crashes of 2023 were even more concerning than the 2008 financial crisis because the 2008 crisis was at least in part caused by complete fraud, whereas in 2023, the banking crisis was systemic. It was a deep structural crisis, and so many banks became insolvent because of the rising interest rates, which means that essentially the U.S. banking system needs the central bank, the Federal Reserve, to keep interest rates permanently low at what are essentially negative real interest rates, because when the Fed sets the federal funds rate at 0% or slightly above 0%, you know, 0 point something, in reality, that's a negative real interest rate because it's below inflation. Now, the 2008 financial crash was a wake-up call for many of the establishment neoliberal economists who run the U.S. government, and the former Federal Reserve chairman, Alan Greenspan, was the epitome of this. He just completely imbibed the free market fundamentalist ideology and claimed before the financial crash that essentially that economists had found a way to prevent future financial crises and solved these fundamental economic problems. But after the 2008 crash, he did a semi mea culpa, not completely, but he partially apologized, noting that there were serious mistakes in his free market fundamentalist neoliberal ideology. And he said, quote, I made a mistake in presuming the self-interest of organizations, specifically banks and others, were such that they were best capable of protecting their own shareholders and their equity in the firms. But what's funny is how the neoclassical mainstream economists who run both U.S. fiscal and monetary policy learned nothing from the 2008 crash. Because less than a decade later, in 2017, then chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen, she infamously predicted that there would be no new financial crises in our lifetimes. And after she made this comment, she was later promoted to be the U.S. Treasury Secretary under current U.S. President Joe Biden. And adding insult to injury, after U.S. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed in March of 2023, the Federal Reserve reversed its quantitative tightening policy, which is supposed to limit the money supply. And instead, in one week, the Federal Reserve printed $300 billion in order to bail out not only the banks, but specifically their uninsured depositors. Now, 93% of the deposits that were held in Silicon Valley Bank were uninsured. They were over the legally government-insured limit of $250,000, which is backed by the U.S. FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which was created during the Great Depression as part of FDR's, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal. But the U.S. government essentially sent a message to oligarchs in Silicon Valley telling them there actually is no limit to the, the amount that is insured in, these, in their deposits in private banks. And I should point out that 56% of the loans from Silicon Valley Bank 
went to venture capitalist firms and private equity firms. And billionaire oligarchs like Peter Thiel, who's a notorious right-wing political donor who, who funds the campaigns of far-right Republicans, Peter Thiel and other oligarchs had millions of dollars held in their personal accounts, and they were bailed out by the U.S. government. The U.S. Congress later held a hearing on the collapse of these numerous banks, and in the hearing, they admitted that Silicon Valley was one of many banks that lobbied the U.S. government successfully to lift regulations. And of course, it later collapsed and was bailed out by the government. This is how extremely corrupt this scandal showed the U.S. government to be. And in that congressional hearing, a U.S. senator admitted, quote, I understand why Americans are angry, even disgusted, because the U.S. financial system is built in a way to protect the rich at the expense of the vast majority of working class people in the country. Poor and working people never get bailed out by the government, but rich capitalist oligarchs, they do get bailed out by the government while they ironically lecture poor people about how they have to work harder and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It is quite literally a system in which Capitalism exists for the vast majority of working people, but there is socialism for the oligarch capitalist billionaires who don't have to worry about risk. They pocket all of the private profits, but then the risk is socialized. It is a system that is the worst of both worlds.